Welcome to democracyonthemove.org, a podcast tribute to the people and organizations who dare to reimagine our nation and drive it toward its true democratic principles. Content for this episode was recorded on Friday, April 2, 2021. I'm Dan Schaefer, your host for today's podcast, and thank you for joining us today. Today we're talking with Max Berger, who is the editorial director for an organization known as More Perfect Union. Their purpose is to counter the billions of dollars spent on corporate messaging where these messages work against the interests of average Americans. More Perfect Union helps people to be seen and heard. That's more justice, more accountability, more power for the people. In other words, a more perfect union. Max Berger is not new to political activism. He's been involved in the Occupy Wall Street protests. He is a co-founder of an organization known as Momentum Trainings, which helps people build socially conscious movements. He also worked at Vice Media Group, which produces over 1,700 pieces of news content every day and focuses on the ideas, the issues, and context that other media outlets mostly ignore. He also co-founded an organization known as If Not Now, which seeks to bring attention to the Israeli occupation as a moral crisis to American Jews and the weaponization of anti-Semitism in our political debate over Israel and create political space for leaders to stand up for the freedom and dignity of all Israelis and Palestinians. Max also worked on Senator Elizabeth Warren's presidential campaign, as well as worked on behalf of Cory Bush's 2018 congressional campaign. He's authored numerous articles on such publications as The Daily Beast and The Nation. Max Berger, welcome to Democracy on the Move, and thank you for joining us today. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much for for having me and talking about the work that we're doing. Good. Well, your personal history in activism has taken you to many places, as I mentioned in the introduction. And um, now you're working with an organization known as A More Perfect Union. You obviously care deeply for the average person and you spend a lot of your time and energy mobilizing people to fight against injustices. But before we get into uh, talking about More Perfect Union, can you give us a brief idea of what motivates you? Mm. Yeah, you know, I think um, growing up as an American, you really have to um, learn how to accept uh, a tremendous amount of unnecessary suffering in our society, mm-hmm. um, you know, especially by folks uh, for whom very little was given. And, um, you know, uh, it's something that I think as a, as a kid, even I, I always struggled with um, uh, seeing folks who were homeless when I was uh, really young, used to throw me into a tailspin. Um, yeah. And, you know, I think in, in, um, in this country, and I've been very fortunate throughout my life to have an opportunity to travel to a lot of other places. You know, I don't think that Americans always have the clearest uh, sense of just how much, um, uh, how many things that other countries take for granted Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of healthcare, education, you know, basic standard of living and decent um, decency for working people um, that we just don't have here. And I think um, in, in a lot of ways that really stems from um, this understanding that we have in this country that uh, what matters is, is the market and what matters is money and what, the matter, what matters is um, material success. And, um, you know, I've always kind of believed that that's not what makes people truly happy. What makes people happy is uh, the time that we spend with uh, the people that we care about and the things that we care about. And, sure. you know, we don't really, we don't really structure our society in such a way so that people have the time um, to, to do that as much as uh, they would like. And 
So, you know, we, we trade a lot of happiness, um, mm -hmm. potential happiness uh, that we would have as individuals, as a society, as communities um, for things. And, uh, you know, I, I think that if you look at <laughs> any of the great spiritual traditions throughout the history of the world, that um, the, the many, most of them are founded uh, upon a, a, a very similar premise. And so I think it's a pretty, it's a pretty universal set of beliefs, but um, sure. The way that this country works, I, I don't think we've ever really um, tried to put that into practice in a meaningful way. Yeah. Well, the trappings of capitalism, I guess, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. So could you give us a, a brief introduction to the organization, More Perfect Union, in terms of its motivation and its goals? And uh, if it's not too soon, uh, talk about some of its victories on on the path to a more perfect union. Yeah, absolutely. Um so I think we came out of this past presidential election cycle with a sense that progressive ideas were really powerful, but there needed to be more um, political support, institutional support to make sure that the kinds of policies and the kinds of vision for America that um, people like Bernie and um, Elizabeth Warren ran on uh, had more support. And mm -hmm. uh, one of the places where it felt like there was the most need um, was in terms of media, right? Like the, the right wing, um, you know, the Republican Party as a whole has a tremendous amount of um, uh, organizations and, right. and resources that go into convincing Americans of um, free market fundamentalism and you know, pushing racist messages that divide working class people. And, um, you know, they, they have a very well-developed longstanding apparatus that is able to put forth their vision of society and convince people of it. And we don't really have anything comparable on the left at this point. And in particular, you know, the, the, there are great journalists working throughout various parts of, uh, you know, bigger media institutions, but I think it's very difficult given the structure of our media to um, focus very explicitly and clearly on the needs and interests of working class people um, and to do so in a way that is politically relevant and um, is going to tell the stories of the individuals who um, are impacted and uh, are, you know, are, are leading some of those fights, but also um, connect those stories and, and those struggles to the political conversation and to do so in a way that is um, going to be politically impactful. So that was a lot of the thinking that led to the creation of, of More Perfect Union. And, uh, you know, I think in a very relatively short amount of time, we've um, started to show what success looks like in terms of how um, media focused on um, working class people and working class issues, working class struggle can lead towards uh, political impact. So when it came to the Amazon campaign, um, we were very fortunate to work with a wonderful journalist uh, who has written a tremendous amount about labor, uh, Kim Kelly, um, who we sent on the ground and was one of the first uh, journalists to get good coverage of what was happening um, in the union campaign in Bessemer, Alabama, um, which we thought uh, looking, you know, when we were uh, looking out at that, we thought that this was going to be uh, an opportunity to really shift the political mm -hmm. conversation in the Democratic Party on um, how uh, vociferously um, people support ongoing labor struggles and uh, right. something like Amazon had a real opportunity to um, to, to be an inflection point in, in the history of the labor movement um, mm -hmm. if, if this goes our way. So uh, we were in a relatively short amount of time able to um, 
create a ton of content that um, helped hold, tell the story of the workers who were, you know, the conditions that they were facing. Um, we, we broke some news about the, um, the town of Bessemer actually changed the traffic light outside of the yeah. warehouse to give the union organizers less time to talk with the workers as they came out of the warehouse mm -hmm. um, at Amazon's behest. Um, and so we were able to find a number of instances uh, of, of suppression on the part of Amazon and, and working with um, working with local authorities to help bust the union um, or you know to 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 make things to make life more difficult for the union. Right. Um, and th th I think that had a, a real impact. And because of the relationships of um, some of the folks on the team, were able also to you know reach out to elected officials and uh, members of the administration and, and make them aware of just how important this was to, um, you know, different parts of the progressive movement. And uh, so we were able to, you know, along with many others help um, push the president to, to, to make the statement that he ended up making in terms of um, supporting uh, the, the unionization campaign down in Alabama. So, yeah. you know, I think it's a good example of the way that um, a combination of political outreach and um, good good messaging can help push sure. forward a, a, a campaign that's extremely important for, for working people and for, you know, turning the Democratic Party into a more working class focused party. So yeah, the um, you, the website uh, perfectunion.us actually has a very good video on that on that particular um, topic, the, uh, the the union struggle with Amazon and Bessemer, Alabama. Uh, they talked about that, you know, the, the fact that the street lights were they, or the uh, the signal lights were changed uh, to uh, minimize the amount of time that people could spend talking to union organizers. I mean, that just that just blew my mind when I saw that. But but here's the thing, you know, when you when you get into a campaign like this, where you want to say uh, uh, advocate for the rights of people to unionize with Amazon, for example, how does that play in the main media? Because you know Amazon is a big advertiser. I mean, they're, they're, they mm -hmm. you know you see their ads on TV all the time, and and uh, I mean, how do you get you know your your uh, your newscasters to talk about this uh, to yeah. you know when when they're well, being paid thing. basically by Amazon, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's interesting because I think in the last couple of years, you've seen a pretty significant shift in the media industry towards unionization, mm -hmm. um, which I think is happening for a couple of different reasons. But I think there there are more and more newsrooms that are unionizing, especially as the industry consolidates and there are mass layoffs. You know, I think I recently saw a statistic that said something like 2,000 or sorry, uh, 20,000 journalists um, were laid off. Mm -hmm. um, I'm in the last two or three years. So it's been, it's been a very difficult moment. And I think those folks are really coming up against a lot of the same, um, market pressures, you know, corporate consolidation, oligarchy that American workers have been for the last 30, 40 years. So there is a lot more support and focus, I think, amongst journalists, um, on, um, working issue, you know, working people's issues and, and, and union fights. That's probably less true, um, when you start to talk about television, um, because, you know, they've been largely inoculated from that. And uh, it's, it's a bit more, um, you know, corporate, the corporate ownership of, of um, cable uh, and, and, you know, network TV is a little bit of a different um, 
ball game. Right. So, right. you know, that, that that's a little bit of a, tar- a tougher nut for us to crack. But I think with the Amazon campaign, you actually really is a good example of there were many other journalists besides the ones that we were supporting down there mm-hmm. um, who were doing great work on, on the campaign. And it actually, I think, received on the whole very fair and favorable coverage from the mainstream press. I mean, you also then have to contend with the idea that the Washington Post is literally owned by Jeff Bezos. Yeah. And you know, to, to your point, you know, just this morning, and we can send you some stuff on this um, after I get off. Uh, but the the, uh, the the Google seems to have purchased uh, a tremendous amount of. Um, uh, sorry, Amazon seems to have purchased mm-hmm. a tremendous amount of Google AdWords ads mm-hmm. that. Uh, bump if you google now more perfect union in uh google it will show up with a ton of results for a book that you can buy on amazon so clearly amazon has noticed what we are doing and is trying to use their immense wealth and power to limit uh our reach so you're absolutely right that that is that is a challenge but i think we're also in an era where many more people are innately on the side of working people, which makes it honestly just a lot harder for them to exercise that kind of suppression. Yeah. I mean, if you look at the history of this country, we owe a lot to unions. And I think many people in in this country have forgotten it. Um, Mm -hmm. But, you know, the five-day work week, for example, um, you know, the 40-hour week, basically, the um, a lot of the benefits for the holidays and such, uh, mm-hmm. It actually has done a lot for American workers, and you know, as soon as we turn our back on that, um, it creeps back up, right? Because this is this is the oligarchy, where this is well, not so much oligarchy, but it's it's basically capitalism. It's right. going to take advantage of as many people as it can. So, getting rid of unions uh, works to their benefit. Yep, absolutely. I mean, and that's what we've seen over the course of the last forty years. Is you know, as as the number of workers, you know, especially you know, not in government workers, right? Like private sector workers um, mm-hmm. has really collapsed in this country. Um, so has the middle class, yeah. right? Like w- unions are th- the most powerful mechanism that working people have to ensure that the growth our society produces, the benefits, the prosperity are actually shared by the people who are responsible for producing that prosperity. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's, it's really crucial. And I think it's, it's interesting the way that you mentioned it, that, you know, it seems to be something that we've forgotten. And it's some of the polling data on this is, is, is fascinating where young people, I'm 35, you know, so I, I'm an elderly millennial mm-hmm. at this point. Um, but the, you know, the folks who are millennials and Gen Z, so under 35 are extremely supportive of unions. Yeah. Um, and, and, and the, um, the amount of support that unions have generally in society as a whole is higher than it's been in in decades, right? Like something like 65% of Americans have a favorable view of unions, which, you know, is the highest it's been since for, for many years. So, hmm. um, you know, I think there's there's a growing realization, especially for folks who never, who, who grew up in a world in which uh, organized labor was so weak that part of the reason why uh, we have su- we have had such a hard time entering into the workplace and you know, making our way in the world. And, and my generation is a talking point that was um, bandied about very often, very frequently in, um, you know, the, the kind of Occupy Wall Street era was that our generation is likely to be the first that is less well off than our parents. Yeah. Um, and I think it's very apparent to those of us um, who are entering that kind of 
uh, economy that the reason for that is the way that broadly speaking capitalists and 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 corporate elite were able to crush the power of labor and yeah. you know i think a big part of it and, and i think that this is something that we're hoping to demysticize and, and popularize a little bit is that I don't think folks understand how and why that happened. Like it wasn't just a natural phenomenon in which people somehow got fed up with unions and didn't want to join them anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and even if we look at what's happening right now, it's not that the rates of unionization are 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 increasing. No, the membership is actually before. very low right now. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, it's not, it's not the membership levels are not increasing commensurate to the level of support because the law is so disproportionately on the side of the employer that what employers have come to understand is that there is basically nothing that they can't get away with, right? Like there there are the, the, the laws that defend people's rights to organize in this country are so weak and so, um, meekly enforced that employers are really able to do whatever they want to workers who try to organize. And, Right. Uh, and, 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 the, and the right um, has also been incredibly strategic in targeting various, you know, sources of union power and various ways that unions try to leverage their power in the political realm to limit the power that working people have um, to fight back. So, yeah. you know, it's, it's, we're kind of at a low point in a lot of respects. But in in that, there are so many people who have realized, OK, this is crazy. Like, we can't keep doing this and, and, and that it has huge material effects on everyday people's lives. That's interesting observation you have there because I know um, um, I'm from Missouri, so show me, right? And and Mm -hmm. I lived in Missouri uh, pretty much uh, all throughout my childhood. And around the year 1985, I moved to California for uh, almost 30 years. And before I moved to California, there was this issue of of, uh, right to work. That was a big issue. They kept voting on it. I go to California there for almost 30 years. Now I'm back in Missouri again. And this issue is still coming up. And and the thing right. is, every single time it comes up for votes, uh, people overwhelmingly defeat right to work. But the legislature in Missouri, who are run by a supermajority of Republicans, um, they keep bringing it back up and they keep trying to find ways to implement right to work in this state. And so far we've resisted it for 30 plus years, but it is a constant battle here. And some yeah. states have lost that battle. Absolutely. That's the perfect example. That's the perfect example. Yeah. Cause when, when voters are given a choice, like, Hey, do you want to make it easier for people to join unions? 99 times out of hundred, they'll say yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but Republican legislatures will do everything they can. And this, you know, this stuff is very technical. Sometimes things mm-hmm. that don't seem like a big deal, um, Will will it's it, the the more arcane the details become of labor law and sort of these nuances that don't feel particularly resonant to normal people, uh, the easier it is for lobbyists to slip it in in the yeah. dark of night um, when nobody's looking. And you know, you tell a person on the street like, "Hey, did you see that they changed, you know, at will employment law?" Blah 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 blah. You know, that's they're whatever. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Doesn't doesn't seem immediately important. So it's. You know, right. it's a it's been a difficult issue, I think, for for labor to figure out how to animate people around, um, even though it has a tremendous impact on um, on people's lives. Well, it's the uh, boiling of the frog scenario, right? If you keep yeah, turning exactly. up the heat slowly, it it doesn't notice that it's uh, that it's doomed. Yeah, 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 yeah. We are we are overdone at this point. But I think you know what you're seeing is is a generation of people who are trying to jump out of the pot. Yeah. 
Can you tell us a little bit about um, More Perfect Union's uh, involvement in student debt or the relief of student debt? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so this is another issue where um, there's an opportunity, I think, for Democrats to, to demonstrate what, what uh, it means um, when working people vote for us because we can do meaningful things to help them in their lives. So, you know, student debt is an issue that reaches people across generations. Uh, it's kind of a popular misconception that most of the people who are affected by student debt are young people. And it's true, you know, people of my generation and younger um, have been deeply impacted by student debt. And it's really limited our prospects, our ability to buy homes, to start families. Mm -hmm. um, but people don't understand that there's actually, you know, there are people on social security who are paying student loan debt and you cannot discharge that debt. So, you know, grandparents, aunts and uncles, parents who uh, signed up to be the be, be responsible for you know either their own education or the education of their family members or children um, who now are still holding uh, debt, debt even yeah. their you know their their later years. So there's there's a, there's a huge issue in this country, and um, you know what we're asking for is to um, to see President Biden use the uh, authority that he has. Um, to forgive uh, student loan debt. Um, sure. the, the big debate here has been whether he has the authority to do this uh, through the executive branch or it needs to be done through Congress. Uh, so most of our work on student debt has really been to try to popularize the idea that um, it, it's very clear that he has the authority to do this. So uh, instead of focusing on um, the impact that the student debt crisis has on um, the people who are suffering from it, you know, which I think has, there's been a ton of great coverage of, we wanted to really just hone in on this argument around um, the legality, because that's the, that, that is where the politics really start to come into play, you know, and the, right. the administration has, has tried to kick the can down the road, you know, to the, in their defense, uh, just yesterday, uh, White House Chief of Staff Ron Klain said, um, that the, you know, the, the, the Secretary of Education was, has only been in their, in that position for a number of weeks and mm -hmm. um you know so they do want to do the formal legal process to um evaluate the legality of um uh, executive uh action on the subject so you know we're still hoping that they will end up in the right place on this despite what um the president has said publicly um but you know so we we worked with some of the experts um the legal experts um, on this question to produce a video that made very clear um, why uh, President Biden has the authority to do this um, and the legal precedent that um, that we hope that the uh, Department of Education will use to justify um, forgiveness um, on the executive side. So, uh, you know, we were very fortunate that some of our friends and allies like uh, Ayanna Presley and others who uh, are really passionate about this issue um, shared our video and we're hoping that, um, you know, members of the administration who are paying attention to this stuff are realizing that student debt is an issue that has a ton of energy on the progressive side and would do a lot to help working people. So um, our, our video hopefully will be, uh, you know, one one piece of the puzzle of getting them to where they need to be um, to help millions of people. Well, there's, uh, if I may just throw on a, just a couple of wrenches here, I know you have to get going soon here, yeah, but yeah. Um, th there's, there's the fear that uh, if the government does forgive student debt, then that's going to cost a certain amount of money, which would then, um, uh, at least the, the perception would be that there'd be less money remaining for people that want to go to college from this point forward. Mm -hmm. 
And the second thing is, uh, this takes place in college universities, in universities across the country, including my alma mater, where uh, they, they focus more on recruitment because they know that students can take on this debt. And mm-hmm. to focus on recruitment, they make, in, in the case of my alma mater, I won't mention them, but uh, they make almost a country club sort of environment to attract mm-hmm. more students. They get more students in there, more money comes in, students go in more debt. Right. That cycle's got to break too, though, doesn't it? Right. Yeah. I mean, the student debt forgiveness issue is not a, um, doesn't actually solve the long term college funding issue, mm-hmm. which is the bigger problem. Yeah. Right. And even if we were to forgive student, le- student loan debt tomorrow, that wouldn't uh, do anything for the folks who are graduating from college next year. Right. So yeah. um, the, 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 the deeper question is, you know, how do we get to a place where, uh, two and four year uh, public universities are tuition free and available to anyone who is eligible to go. Um, so, you know, I think that that's pretty clearly the only long term solution to this. There's also kinds of policy solutions you can do to drag down the cost of private mm-hmm. uh, education, uh, higher education, which is a little bit more tricky. Um, but, you know, this is another place where I think Americans don't totally understand how unique we are in um in international context where there are just very few countries in the world that expect citizens to pay for their own higher education just not a good idea (laughs) that's very interesting i didn't know that yeah yeah so i mean you know most other advanced you know advanced economies you know wealthy Mm -hmm. nations have uh something close to free higher education they may you know there may be nominal right uh, costs associated with it but it's nowhere near what uh, you know, Americans are expected to pay. So it's just, it's, it's a ridiculous system. And it doesn't make sense from the perspective of um, even an economic perspective, because y- you then are disincentivizing education, which has been shown to be over time, the strongest predictor of economic growth. So Absolutely, yeah. if, we, if yeah. we want an, a highly educated workforce, we want an entrepreneurial, innovative economy, you know, you want people who are pursuing knowledge and have the best ideas in the world. And the more expensive that you make it for people to acquire that knowledge and those skills, the, the less you're going to have. So it's just a poorly designed system. Um, that's the, the deeper problem. And, you know, I think on the question of whether we have enough money, you know, uh, <laughs> when it comes to the, to the, the federal budget, there, there's no limited resource. We print the money that we pay ourselves in, mm-hmm. that we use to pay back the debt. It's just a bunch of beboops on a computer. There's no limited resource when it comes to the federal government's ability to create money. Right. So, you know, I, it's it, this is one of these things that in the long run, we have to also figure out how to explain to people differently because people think of the federal budget in the same way that they think about their family's budget mm-hmm. where you know you have to tighten your belt during tough times and you know there's a tangible limit to the amount that you that you have right. and that's not really how it works for the federal government so yeah. you know the fact that also when we're talking about the numbers here uh they're not so big that it would really have any kind of impact on our ability to fund other programs. We absolutely could continue to do, you know, it it would be something that would not limit President Biden's um, path towards uh, passing the big jobs package and infrastructure package that they just rolled out. Um, 
or any of the other things that he intends to do with his agenda. So I think it's, you know, it's, it, it, is, it is a very widely shared fear, but it's not one that's particularly rooted in, in reality. Okay. Well, we're kind of running out of time here, but I, I, I uh, so unfortunately we couldn't talk about a couple of the other things that uh, More Perfect Union is, is dealing with. There's a lot that uh, More Perfect Union really offers for people. Um, how can people get involved in More Perfect Union? Yeah, it's a great question. I think right now, probably the easiest way would be to, to contribute. Um, we're still building out the more campaign side and finding ways for people to um, take action on the issues that we're fighting for. Um, but at this point, I think probably the best way would be for people to, to help make sure that um, we can put people on the ground, um, you know, to tell these stories uh, as these fights are coming up. Perfect. And that uh, the uh, website is perfectunion.us, all one word, perfectunion.us. Yep. Okay, so we've been uh, talking with Max Berger, the editorial director of the organization known as More Perfect Union. Max, uh, it's been a great pleasure to talk with you today. You've, you've done so many different things. It's just, uh, I'm just really feel privileged to be talking with you. Thank you for cool. all the work that you're doing. And, and thank you for joining us today to talk about More Perfect Union. Thanks. Yeah, it's been a real pleasure, and um, we appreciate you reaching out. Happy to do it. You've been listening to Democracy on the Move, a tribute to all those people and organizations who dare to reimagine our nation and drive it back to its true democratic principles. Please tune in each week where we will feature guests and topics that will keep you in touch with our march toward a more perfect union. If you have any suggestions for stories and or people you think we should be covering at Democracy on the Move, Please contact us through our website contact page at democracyonthemove.org slash contact or send us an email at info at democracyonthemove.org. You can also comment on our Twitter page at All on the Move. If you find today's podcast interesting and informative, please tell your friends and family about us. And if you'd like to help sponsor the podcast at Democracy on the Move, please contact us through the website or email. I'm Dan Schaefer, your host for today's podcast, and I'd like to thank you for tuning in today. It's been my pleasure to be with you. Please have a safe week ahead, and we hope you'll tune in for our next episode.